0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, Josh. Hey, Mike. Hey, Maurice. What's going on, Mike? So uh, we're here Mm. getting ready to do a podcast from the Gulf Coast to the Space Coast. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, Charles Ruttenberg Realty.
1: Beautiful. Uh,
0: They're they're, uh, they're a big outfit, aren't they? And uh, helping us is uh, seeing them waving in the background. We got Byron engineering this thing for us. So uh, Byron's the uh, uh, Director of Marketing for Integrity Title, does a great job. We really appreciate all the help he gives us in every aspect. So um, what we'd like to accomplish in today's podcast is we want to talk about um, a concern that um, we think uh, might be of value to you, and that is, The top 10 concerns that consumers have when considering a home purchase. Uh, You know, that might be valuable, right? Sure. Josh, right, Maurice? Because if a realtor can understand what those concerns are, they might be able to
1: address them before they arise. Absolutely. So there's actually 10 concerns, huh?
0: Well, I think there's probably a lot more than 10.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But but these are the top 10. (laughs) All right. These are the top 10. So. let's reveal these bad babies.
0: Okay, okay. So, uh I think we'll spend some time talking about these and uh hopefully give you some valuable information. So, uh Josh Maurice, what do you think the number one concern is for buyers?
1: Outside of outside of just qualifying, um let's see here um home value maybe? Well, Close. That was so close. It's affordability.
0: Okay. Okay. And, and, you know, if you think about it, I could see how that really relates. Look at the home prices in our marketplace. Sure. I mean, look at the trajectory that we're on for appreciation. Month over month. It's growing. Month over month. It's crazy. It's it's percentage points. It's over 100 basis points every month. As a matter of fact, uh, the Tampa Bay Business Journal – I just saw an article. I think you saw me post it on Facebook. There was an article where they predicted that um, number one, they they stated as fact that the Tampa Bay housing market is the number one appreciating market in the United States. Right? You guys saw yeah, that? Absolutely. And then number two, they stated that the appreciation, the anticipated appreciation. For the housing market in Tampa Bay is twenty two percent. So think about that. That's like one point seven five percent a month, something like that. Right. Right. So uh, let's let's just call it. Let's just say one and a half percent. So if a house is selling for five hundred grand, how much more is it going to be selling in one month? You math geniuses. Yeah. Come on, seventy five hundred bucks. I'll leave that to you. <laughs> Public yeah. school, what did I say? <laughs> No school. <laughs> so, 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 seventy five hundred dollars a month in appreciation. So affordability is a big concern. That's no secret. And uh, overall, um, on a national level, how much do you think the overall appreciation was in the last twelve months on a national level? Twelve percent. That's a really good guess, 15%. 15% is the number. And, uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with the pandemic lockdowns, stagnant wages, uh, college debt, all those sorts of things are really driving the fear factor on these people as these prices increase. So that's that's the the number one concern. So what are some of the things that – maybe we as a lender can do to help our realtor partners overcome those concerns,
2: right? And that's kind of some of the things that I wanted to talk about a little sure. bit. I got two things, tools that we have uh, that I've been able to use. One is the cost of waiting. Like there's a calculator that shows you how much appreciation is going to be. So if you I have love a book, that tool. you know, a buyer who says, well, I'm just going to wait a couple more months. I'm just going to wait a little bit longer to see if there's going to be a crash or if the prices are going to drop or flatline. And you can see based on appreciation, based on this calculator, that it's not. And I think the other one is the bid over ask tool. Just when it comes to affordable The what tool, Josh? Bid over ask. Bid over ask. That's right. That is a great tool. Right. And then that kind of gives the, the buyer uh, some know-how of what they're putting into and then ultimately how fast they're going to recuperate that money. So this appreciation can work two sides. If you're going to wait, that house is going to cost you more down the road. But if you put that little extra now, you're going to recoup it that much faster. So you're you dealing with the let's, loss.
0: Let's let's just give a simple example of bid over ask. Okay, so let's say a house is selling for what what's a good number? What do you guys think is good number? Four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. Okay, yep. so four hundred thousand. So house is selling for four hundred thousand. <laughs> And what I'm seeing in the marketplace typically is bids over ask of around twenty five grand. Is that about what you guys are seeing? You
1: say that's about average.
0: Pretty pretty commonplace, right? So if we do the math, now we just talked about using just 1.5% for our marketplace, just a little bit, a hair over the national average, right? If we use that 1.5% in one year – Uh, 18%, let's just use 15%, the national average, 400,000, 15% in one year is $60,000 in appreciation. That's right. So they will, the buyer will recoup that $25,000 over ask in a little less than six months. Uh, Right? Right. A little less than six months. So what we do, what, what Maurice, Josh, and I try to do for these um, clients that we're talking to about getting a mortgage to buy a home is, number one, you know, not just pre-qualifying them and helping them understand the process, but giving them, educating them, and arming them with information to help them make a decision that typically they would be Aghast! You want me to offer how much over list price? Are you crazy? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, have you seen? Tell me about some of the that is um,
1: that is definitely you know Josh kind of touched on it in regards to let's say for an example you know I and even I have received calls from Bowers where they were real concerned about the market in terms of you know their mindset is you know. What if 2008 repeats itself?
0: Right. That's a great point.
1: Not understanding the dynamic, you know, what the real reason for that 2008 crash, quite frankly, had to crash. But, um, you know, that's their biggest fear, paying above value, thinking that all of a sudden the market's going to crash, I'm going to lose value. But one of the main things that happened in terms of the loss of value back in 2008 had to do with, of course, the numerous foreclosures and short sales that stem from just basically – fraudulent lending um, for loan programs that just were um you know basically just not stable loan programs.
0: And I wanted to I want to jump in on that because that's a great point. So I have had people mention to me, hey, you know, what what if we see a, a correction in right. the real estate market? And so one of the things that I point out is that liars figure, figures don't lie right Right, and the historical data (laughs) right the historical data over the last 62 years shows in pinellas county hillsborough county whatever county you're in look it up uh you know 62 years the historical data shows about a five percent appreciation so even if we have a correction which is number one right it's Time in the market. So, you know, if you're going to own that home for a period of time, you're going to recover that correction, number one. But more importantly, number two, what we try to help these borrowers understand, as you alluded to, Maurice, is that the crash, let's call it a crash. Mm -hmm. That's what it was, Uh, right? 100%. The crash that happened in 2008 was because— there were a number of buyers that received mortgages that would never receive those mortgages in today's market. Absolutely. In today's market, all buyers have to qualify for
1: um, conventional, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and government loans. The lending process has never, ever been as tough as, as it is now. I mean, That's, this, exactly. this, this is what we – you know this is frustrating for borrowers, and this is where we come into play to make it as seamless as possible. But this is truly an environment where, the lending process is it's it's some um, it's a very strict process.
0: it really is. and uh the so the types of loans that we had in that period that attributed to all these people that and I'll just give you an example. So I remember there was a guy that was an assistant manager at a fast food restaurant. In Carowood, and I was in there and overheard him talking about um, a house he was buying, and he was telling guys buying this six hundred thousand dollars house. Now remember, this is back in two thousand and six. Okay, two thousand six, two thousand seven. He was buying a six hundred thousand dollars house. He's an assistant manager at a fast food restaurant, and. You know, so when I got home, I looked it up. What's the average salary at this franchise for assistant manager? He was making thirty six grand a year.
1: So it definitely wasn't what he stated, right?
0: Well, but here's the deal. The reason he qualified, here was the mortgage that they gave him. It was called a pay option arm. And the way that the pay option arm worked is that it was, the loan was amortized over 30 years, but the teaser rate was 1% and the payment was interest only. Of course. Wow. So he got a hundred percent loan for six hundred grand.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, one percent interest on six hundred grand is six thousand dollars. Everybody in agreement so far? Yes, sir. Divided by twelve, how much was his monthly payment on a six hundred thousand dollars house?
2: Five hundred dollars.
0: 500 bucks. Eva Byron got that one from the back, way in the (laughs) back. Byron, you win a prize. $500, right? Plus taxes and insurance. Right. So now here's what happened. And everybody, if you've been around for a while, you remember this. The talk about all these arms recasting. So in 2008, right, in addition to us having a decline in the available buyer pool, by the biggest drop in the history of record-keeping. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows about supply and demand, mm-hmm. right? Oh, that's what we're experiencing now. Exactly. In the opposite direction. In the opposite direction. <laughs> so everybody knows about that. And so we had the biggest decline. Plus, we had uh, mortgages that were adjusting. And so now the guy that had the $500 payment right. before taxes right. and insurance – now he had a $3,000 payment before taxes and insurance.
1: I mean, we're, there are like one-year arm loans. They don't exist. Yeah. Two-year arm loans don't right. exist anymore. Don't exist anymore.
0: That's right. These are products that even on a non-qualifying mortgage, such as um, there's things such as bank statement loans, you're still showing the deposits that you put into your account. Right. And those are typically more for investors. Now, we do have those for primary residences right. and second homes. But you have to have a higher credit score. You have to be able to prove your assets. Right. And you still have to qualify, whether it's income Mm. that's derived from deposits into your bank statements,
1: et cetera. Exactly. I'm going to just finish off with one thing. You mentioned correction, right? And the reason why there was a correction in 2000, the reason why there was a correction in 2008 is because of one key thing, short sales. So it's just the reverse of what's happening now. If you're paying above value, that new value determines value, not the appraisal anymore. So when the number of short sales that took place back then, with that being said, it was a reduction in value, which corrected the market. And so when those short sales sell, it becomes the new value for that home. Hence, it gradually begins to correct the market. So now if you're paying above value – Hence, the opposite is taking place. New value is being established. So people really shouldn't fear that much about, you know, well, if there's a correction in the worst way. The bottom line is value is determined by what anyone is willing to pay for something. And it's really that simple. That's right.
0: so, well, and, and I want to, before I ask Josh if he's got any comments, I just want to finish up with this. And, and that is, is that the rapid decline and home values that we experienced in 2008 Mm -hmm. was because of all the things that we just talked about. So think about that. Even if we did have a correction based on the way that loans are getting underwritten, the decline in that value would be gradual. Correct. Would be gradual. So uh, right now we're going to go ahead and take a break and get a few uh, words in from our sponsor. We'll be back in a minute. Agents, would you like to close with confidence? If so, close with Integrity Title and Guarantee Agency, LLC, where integrity is guaranteed. Okay, welcome back, guys, from the Gulf Coast <laughs> to the Space Coast. We are back. Yeah, <laughs> we are. All right. Still here. Hey, Josh, what do you think about the uh, that number one affordability and, and how uh, Maurice and I were weighing in on that? What are your thoughts on that?
2: I think it's— one of those things that a lot of people borrowers or potential borrowers or buyers kind of misunderstand uh, what is qualifying income, you know, and how, you know, especially like a self-employed borrower, right. And we Mm -hmm. we know with the new guidelines, there's a limit to what the debt to income ratio can be. Uh, And each loan program is a little different. A lot of it is established by your credit score. Uh, And a lot of people will go in. I, I have friends, Uh, on social media who will, you know, make these posts and they'll kinda rant about, oh well, I can afford fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars in rent, but I can't afford a house. And and what a lot of these people don't understand is the guidelines we have to follow to qualify you. So that affordability, you know, there's two I think there's a couple of sides to it. There is the, you know, can I afford the house I want? And then ultimately really what does it take to afford that house? Mm -hmm. And I think that the the key is that debt to income ratio is that helping our job as lenders is to help people understand what they qualify for and then what that really looks like on paper.
0: Well, and, and that's a great point because lenders have maximum debt to income ratio guidelines, and they're not going to make a loan to somebody who can't afford to buy the home. Right. And so um, one of the things that I do to help my realtors is when I'm speaking with buyers slash our borrowers, right, I always, always grow their budget. And here's what I mean by that. When I'm speaking with a buyer, uh, now, we're, we're, and let me preface what I'm getting ready to say, is rents are starting to go up you know, considerably. So this might not be as impactful as it has been for me over the last year or two. But when I'm speaking with a buyer – and they're paying, say, $1,600, $1,700 a month in rent. And I'm talking with them about budget. And I asked them, you know, what were they anticipating that their new housing expense would be? How much more were they willing to pay? Uh, the initial response from the majority of them is... I want to pay what I'm I'm paying paying now.
1: (laughs) That is uh, Agreed. That is often, often, (laughs) that's what they're trying to compare in terms of their mortgage payment. There's there's no comparison, though.
0: So let me give you out there in podcast land, I'm going to give you a great tool, okay? And anybody could do this. So every $10,000 in purchase price, what do you guys want to use? 60, 70, 65? 65. 65. Well, I can't do the math right, over the right. air and look mm-hmm. like a genius. How about 70. 60? <laughs> 60. Oh, I was about to say, this makes make 60. It easy. Okay, 60. 60. All right, guys. Here, everybody out there in podcast land, if you have a buyer that is buying a $400,000 house, chances are the payment is going to be $2,400 a month. And how did I arrive at that? Mike, how'd you arrive at that? Well, $10,000 goes into 400,000 40 times. Pretty simple, right? Okay. 40 times 60 is 2,400. Okay. That's how I arrived at it. You got somebody looking at a $300,000 house for just as a good rule of thumb, you're thinking about 1,800 bucks a month. Now, you as a realtor do not want to have a conversation about a budget at the depth and scope that we're going to have, right? Because we're going to educate them. We're going to help them understand why they can afford more. So um, it was alluded to by Josh, I believe, talked about the debt-to-income ratio. Okay, absolutely. Okay, and and so um, when he was talking about that, he didn't give you the percentage. So let me give you the percentage. We have maximum percentages for housing expenses that borrowers are going to be able to get approved at, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, typically, if you go online, <laughs> we're talking about the real world, we'll talk about online. If you go online, they're going to say 29%. In the real world, the government agencies and Fannie Mae typically are going to approve a borrower for a housing expense ratio of about 41% max. You in agreement with that? Yep. 39 to 41 yeah so yes. let's use 40 okay so now I have a borrower's paying fifteen hundred dollars a month in rent mm-hmm. right they probably make you know six grand a month in income let's just say it's an individual right mm-hmm. so if they can afford forty percent of that six grand a month in income what is that payment twenty four hundred dollars a month right so now we just increased their purchasing power. By five hundred dollars a month, or how much? Thirty thousand, mm-hmm. right? Ten thousand, right? Ten thousand every sixty dollars. Ten thousand, right. yes, yeah. sir. So, so what we're doing is we're educating these buyers. We're helping them overcome uh, the issue with affordability in a whole host of different ways.
2: Right. Yeah, it's, it's trying to look at the whole picture. Uh, I love to have this conversation every first borrower, especially a first-time homebuyer, helping them understand. And even a buyer who hasn't bought in you know, the last 10 years because so many rules have changed. Uh, we often in, this off, in the office have a conversation of how many new rules have been implemented in the last <laughs> 12 years. From 2009 to 2013,
0: Dodd-Frank legislation required that. How many rules do you
2: think it is? It's 400. Yes. Yes, it is. 400 rules. Well, Mike and I have this conversation a lot. (laughs) 400 rules.
0: 400 rules were implemented from 2009 to 2013. But that was to protect the consumer and to ensure that they would not get in a situation where they would buy something that they could not afford. So we are going to have these conversations with the buyers. Uh, We're going to educate them. And we're going to help them overcome that affordability
2: paralyzation, right? Right. Right. I, right. right. I, I, I want to time in one one last point on the debt to income ratio is I think a lot of people don't understand what debts are included in, you know, in that calculation that total debt to, you know debt to income ratio is, you know, the student loans, the credit card debts, the car payments, and people just compile all this little. Yeah micro debt and all those little dollars all those monthly payments add up together and then sometimes it's having a conversation with that borrower to say all right well you know what we need to take care of some of these debts first and then that will free up your overall affordability
0: mm-hmm. yeah and and that is so critical and then you know Josh you brought up a point about a couple of the tools that we have um uh, one of those was bid over ask and the other was cost awaiting. And Byron, hey, give me a high sign when I'm getting your time so that I can wrap it up. So the uh, cost waiting tool is so effective. And the way that we present that to our buyers to educate them is in a format that's very easy to understand. But most importantly, it is so compelling because what it does is it takes into consideration, so it's, it's geared towards those buyers that are currently renting, okay? Right. And so we have the ability to edit all the information and filter all the information that's going into this one-page document that we're going to provide to your buyer-borrower. And by the way, we could co-brand it to you, right? Yep. Makes you look like the expert as well. So on that document, we'll be able to adjust the rent, we're going to take into we're not going to leave things out. Like when they go to sell that house, we're going to include the 6% realtor commission in there. We're going to include property taxes. One of the things that a lot of people on this cost awaiting um, scenario don't include is maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. Maintenance is in there. So we're including all these things so that we're not giving them a watered down number. And on average, when I do a three hundred thousand dollar comparison, nine years the cost of waiting. How much do you think it is? Uh, Fifty grand. How much do you think it is? Well, I say uh, about thirty. A hundred and sixty thousand dollars wow. in yeah. nine years cost them a hundred and sixty thousand dollars. I forgot. I didn't hear the nine. It's my bad. Yeah, nine years. Nine years, man. So it is just amazing. Well, listen, guys, we really – I'm going to let Josh and Marie say goodbye too, but uh, I just wanted to – this is Mike Gatz. I just wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully we gave you some ideas, some tips. Uh, Maybe there are some tools that you want to reach out to one of us to uh, get. But hopefully we have um, helped you understand how we're going to help your buyers – alleviate their concerns when considering uh, affordability
2: of a home Uh, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Anytime you have questions, that's what we're here for.
1: Oh, agreed. Um, I mean, as it relates to, I can, I know I speak for myself, but I can speak for the the three of us in this room in regards to, you know, what we really stand for in terms of service. Um, I mean, as you can listen to the podcast, I mean, our goal really is to do just more than sell a product. Um, it's to provide a service. Um, and that is, um, you know, that's what we take pride in, and that's why we are truly successful, I think, as a team here.
0: Well, thank you very much for listening. And Byron, thanks for engineering this thing for us. We really appreciate you. Everybody have a great day.
2: This is a Charles Ruttenberg Realty podcast from Gulf Coast to Space Coast. This podcast is sponsored by Integrity Title and Guarantee Agency, LLC, where integrity is guaranteed.